This is an AMI podcast. Welcome to Double Tap Canada, the show where blind people talk tech. Have your say. Call us, text us to 844-971-1999. That's 844-971-1999. Tweet us at Double Tap Canada and find us on Facebook. Just search for Double Tap Canada. Now here's your favorite Double Tappers. Oh, hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Double Tap Canada. It is I, Stephen Scott, back with you here once again for another hour of technology talk, discussion and fun. Uh, now, before we get into all this, I just want to check. Uh, Mark Aflalo is here. Mark Aflalo. Yes, Back roll call. Us. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I have not been here for a couple of weeks. I apologize. Busy, busy couple of weeks. Vacation, then work, and vacation, then work. But I promise I won't stop Oof. talking today. That's good because, you know, it's a talk show. That's what we need. Uh, Sean Priest is also here somewhere. Hello, Sean Priest. Are you in your shed in Manchester, England? As ever, I'm always here. You can't get rid of me. So, uh, yes, but it's good to be here. And we've tried. Oh, we yes, have. you've tried. Yes. We've tried everything. We've even sent people around to cut the internet outside your shed. It didn't work. You still managed I'm to get I'm going it up today. I'm, I'm getting an upgrade to 500 megabits. Oh, no. I'm playing wow. with the big boys. Yes. Hang on. So wow. is that right? What, what kind of speeds are we talking? 500 down? 500 down, 30 up. 30? I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, but you know. It's, Why bother? It's how it's. All right, Mr. One Gigabit Fiber, <laughs> calm down. Oh, that seems about. Um, Stephen, okay. you have one. Was it one gigabit up, one gigabit down? No. Funnily enough, I have oh. one gigabit. Well, oh, well done, uh, yeah, Mark. I have to be honest. That's a. It's a good point because I've got nine hundred down, one hundred up. What? I think that's right. Is that right? What, I think that's what right. What are you talking about? What did he just say? Sorry, I tuned out. What? <laughs> Used to that. <laughs> he said he has nine hundred down, so wife? he's not even a gigabit. Oh. By the way, Stephen. Um, and 100 up? Oh, that's that can't be possible. Terrible. I well, think it's something like that. Yeah, I'm going to do a speed test during the show to uh, to check that. But I think that's I think that's the case. Yeah, can you do that? Do you mind doing that? I, I think yeah, I'm please do. Yeah. Curious. I, I would be uh, absolutely happy to do that. What's that website that you use, Sean? That you always speed tell me about? Speedtest.net. No, speedtest.net is accessible, but fast.com is the simple. Yeah, basic that's the other one. one. Yeah. Ah, yes, but it doesn't tell you download, does it? Or does it? It yeah, does. It does. Yeah, tell you everything. Yes. Yes, it tells oh, you everything. Oh, I've, I've used it once. I don't care. I've got 790 megabits at the minute. That's what Ooh, it says. Show more information. That's download. It starts with your download, so that's good. Yeah. And uh, my upload speed is 85. Oh, <laughs> you know, there's no absolutely no reason why they do that. That that's they decide that on their side. These yeah. providers. There's absolutely uh, yeah, no Yeah, because you know what's happening, reason. don't you? You know what's going to happen. Someone's going to come along and say, you know, if you want to get like you know uh, a thousand. You just just pays more money. I know. Well, so they, they've just they've just launched um three gigabit service in Ontario. So I'm waiting for that to come to my area. Not that my router can even handle it, um, but you know. I was going to say, yeah. True. What would you need for that? I mean, you're going to have to upgrade all your kit again, which means I can have your old stuff. I love it. Hooray! No, you can't. Mm. I said I would send you a mixing desk. Honestly, what is wrong with you? People? I'm still waiting for that and the video card. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a very slow. Working progress in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it also helps if you, uh, you know, actually package things up. It's so funny because I had to send something back the other day, which is going back to uh, South Korea, of all places, right? So I had to send this thing back. It was something that was sent out to me. You'll spy! hear about it. Spy! 
Why? <laughs> no, it's not me. It wasn't me. Dear Kim. <laughs> so uh, DHL turn up at the door and they're like, uh, okay, so, and, and it says in the documentation, do not seal the parcel because I have to see paperwork inside it, right? So that's what it does. So I hand this to the, the guy and he's like, yeah. you know, this isn't even taped up. And I'm like, I know because it, they, they told me not to. And he says, no, they really shouldn't have done that because you need to have this parcel up properly for it to go away. And I was like, ah, oh. no, here's the secret. Yes, Stephen. Here's the secret. I had no packing tape, nothing. I had, do you know that cheap oh. sellotape you used to wrap Christmas presents? Just that yes. cheap, rubbishy sellotape. That's all I yeah. had. And I thought, I can't send a parcel to South Korea and the hope of this cheap tape, dollar store tape well, I'm running. Hang here. on, you were going to send it just open anyway. Yeah, so yeah, yeah that was yeah, maybe not the best way of doing it. I meant he that. assumed they were going to close it for him. You I know, kind of this, this, this life of privilege that you live... <laughs> Where the the people who pick up pick up your packages and, and seal it for you and really you know I I don't know Stephen where you come from so here's the thing the guy says I've got packing tape in the van it's of course fine. he does I love there we go problem solved let me do that for you sir unbelievable privilege I'm or what? blind <sighs> play the blind card yeah I got oh. my blind card out and everything it was great I, mean, I should we should get that shouldn't we we should have a card obviously I. Cut out the top corner. <laughs> the blind card. <laughs> Sorry, I'm blind. You know, we're talking about doing double tap merch. Maybe that's it, a double tap blind that card. Is, that is such a great idea. <laughs> that we'll is a brilliant idea. Let's make that happen. That is and you know what? We'll do it for free. Everybody who just emails us yeah. some kind of feedback, you get, get the blind, blind card. card for free. We'll send you a double tap blind card. Yeah, wherever you go. You're part of the crack. That is absolutely oh brilliant. Oh my god! Okay, now uh, I got it. Okay, hang on a we second. We are our own marketing team. Do you know what I love? I love that we do all our. Blind card. I love we do our marketing <laughs> conversations <laughs> on the show. I, I love that. You know, we're very open here at Double Tap. You know, it's, it's we a are. very open. Well, it, it helps get feedback from the audience to really deliver what they want. Well, remember last time we uh, talked about? I mean, we only mentioned it briefly, and we had about twenty emails about it. Um, well, it's so, coming. Yeah. Don't worry. There's lots of stuff in the works. Yeah, we're gonna have a fun. Fun season five of our TV show. And what season are we out of this this radio show? It's been on forever. Um, I don't think... Season we're forever. forever. Wow. <laughs> Welcome to season forever of Double Tap Canada. We're never... We don't count it because we're not going anywhere. We've decided. Yeah. And we don't have seasons. We have series. Oh, Hang on, are you talking so, here in the UK or are you talking... In the UK, yes. Oh, so is that yes, what you yes. do? You have series, not yes, seasons? Yes, we don't have seasons. How dare you? No, yeah, we that, have you know series. What? The first time I, I really encountered that was when I watched Sherlock and I was mm. very confused that there were four episodes and they were each an hour and a half and then it was done. That's not yes. the way we consume media in North America, guys. No, that's to right. To be fair, it's that's bit... not the way we usually do it either. That was weird. <laughs> yeah, but uh, anyway... Shall we, shall we talk about the big story of the week? Because it's kind of the elephant in the room, if I'm honest. Which one? I don't even know what you're talking about. And then we're only on, uh, what, what day of the week is it? Thursday? Well, I'll tell you what we're talking about. And here it is. Okay. Um, because, look, I, I, I have no skin in the game on this, right? But I mention it because I Oof. know you were impacted by this, Mark. And that Me? is, and I'm going to not snigger here when I say this, Rogers. <laughs> oh, um, God. So I, I know that this is not funny in Canada. Okay, I take, I take that back, by the way. I've been talking about this nonstop since probably Saturday. I've done about seven different radio shows and TV shows talking about this mm. as a subject matter expert. Like I know anything about <laughs> wireless outages. Um, <laughs> and I didn't know we were talking. I'm like, oh, Elon Musk getting sued by Twitter. Um, oh, we'll get to that. Rogers. Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. 
Yeah, right. so anyway, the reason I snigger is because uh, here Rogers means something quite different. But uh, yeah, it's a bit like when I told you, Mark, that here we don't have dollar stores, we have pound land. And you found that rather amusing. I mean, I'm surprised you little... don't find that amusing. It's... We're, we're in dangerous <laughs> territory. I find that funny. Um, but yes, um, there you go. That's our cultural swap. You, you, well you give us Rogers, we give you Poundland. This is really, now I'm thinking about it, is a really bad idea for a conversation. Um, yeah. However, <laughs> Sean, edit this, okay? Will you? Yeah, yeah okay. take that so, bit out. Uh, take that whole bit out. But no, let, let's talk about the, the actual story, which is that. Um, staying in. Five days, am I, am I right in saying there were disruption or was disruption? To no, the- no, no. What, what really happened is we everybody woke up on Friday morning and nothing was working. If you lived in Ontario, you were even more messed up because Rogers has wire line service like fiber optic and, and mm. actual uh, actual cable connections. So people were down in, in all of Ontario. In Quebec, it's wireless and throughout North America, throughout Canada, it was all wireless service it was just down. Um, and it affected a lot of businesses who didn't have any kind of redundancies in place, um, which is, believe it or not, a lot of businesses. I mean, even I don't have I mean, I have redundancies in place in my home, but wireless carrier. I was with Rogers all in uh, no issue. So I spent most of my Friday um, activating the eSIM of my iPhone with another carrier. So I had a backup. So what happened was, is they're saying, and I think we might learn differently over the coming weeks or so, is that there was a <laughs> yes. maintenance update on a router. And it failed, and it caused a cascading outage throughout the network. And uh, after speaking to many, many people about this, many subject matter experts and people in the business, um, you know, it's very plausible. He said the fact of the matter is is every every wireless carrier, every telecom is going to have an experience like this. It's going to be outage. Unfortunately, this is Roger's turn. And, you know, there is just, unfortunately, you have equipment that fails and it just happens. And if you don't have the proper plans in place and the proper redundancies in place to uh, recover immediately, what ends up happening is that you're, everybody goes down. So imagine, I don't know, let's say 5 million people are constantly using this network and suddenly you just close the door. Okay. So now what's happening is everybody's trying to get into this door, but the door is closed. And the more people, the more people try. And of course, when something goes down, you try even more to get in the door. You're like, oh, let's reset the router. Let's reconnect. Yeah. Everybody's banging at this door, but nobody's getting in. So it's causing what what is referred to as a DDoS attack is when people just flood one location with all this data that ends up crashing a network. So on top of the fact that this router suffered a, a maintenance update and wasn't working because their network just stopped. Now you have every single customer trying to get knock on the door. So when you turn it back on, it's bound to just crash because everybody's trying to get it at the same time. So then they had to figure out and how to mitigate um, letting people back on slowly and getting the network back up and running. So we don't know the timeline and events that actually happened to Rogers, but it definitely was a, a very large wake up call because a lot of things rely on wireless service. In in, in Canada, we were suffering our, our debit machines were all down, so we couldn't take your bank cards and go into a store and buy something. You could only use credit or cash. This wow. affected parking. I was downtown. I couldn't pay for parking because I use an app and I couldn't connect to the wireless network and the infrastructure was connected to Rogers. So, uh, you know, one of the big things, one of the kind of keywords that's coming out of this, at least, you know, on the media side of things and in the telecom side of things is um, business continuity, you know, planning for business continuity mm. and very few companies plan for business continuity. And at the end of the day, yes, Rogers had a, had a failure, but People who use Rogers, like I'm a service provider, I have clients, I use Rogers. If if I went down because Rogers went down, my clients aren't going to blame Rogers. They may may not find that as an acceptable excuse for them not getting what they paid me for, but I'm liable for that because I'm supposed to deliver a service. So I should have planned for business continuity and to make sure that I had the tools at my disposal 
as a service provider to make sure that I can connect to the internet if I need to, if my carrier goes down. So this is where I think a lot of companies are going to be reevaluating what's going on. Uh, that being said, things are kind of back up. There are some places that I think are still spotty. Uh, Rogers is going to be offering and automatically crediting customers with, I think, up to five days worth of service, which in some, you know, some companies, it's a lot of money, you know, in some other companies, it's not. It's probably like $50, uh, but a pretty, pretty big wake up call. Yeah. I mean, are you are you in the the habit of blaming people for this? Do you think, hey, look, this happens? You know what? Um, you can blame all you want. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is that it's it's very clear this was a, a fault at, at Rogers, and there's an issue there, and maybe they have somebody they're blaming because who knows what they use. Um, but you can blame all you want. It's not going to fix the problem. It's not going to stop. It's not going to correct it for next time. You know. So what's happening now is the government is now imposing and basically forcing all the major telecoms here to make sure that they. Um, not, number one, play nice with each other in situations like this, because there are other networks out there like you could mm. they could have if they had agreement with another company, they could have you know popped on roaming and who knows what other kind of interconnectivity they could have used to help ease the pain. But they didn't because they don't play nice together. And the fact of the matter is, is that you, as a business owner, if you're a small business owner and you're out there and you're trying to sell your service and this you know, comes after two and a half years of businesses being closed, it's a pretty bad thing to happen. You know, you're losing a day of of money that could be a lot of money that could be a business closing in some cases. Yeah. So, you know, the big lesson learned here, I think, is that you really need to are your eggs in one basket. And if they're in that one basket, yeah, it's nice to bundle and get savings. But what's that going to cost you if you go down? Mm. So for me, I pay another 40 bucks a month. So I have a backup line on my cell phone and I could use that for Internet, for tethering and all that stuff. Forty dollars a month. So $40 a month, that's what, $480 a year. That's the cost of me making sure that I can provide a service to my clients. At home, I've got two carriers in my home. I've got Starlink. Sorry, three. I've got Videotron. I've got Bell. I've got Starlink. So I've got three means of communication, plus now the backup wireless. I'm comfortable in my setup. But a lot of people yeah. aren't, and they need to reevaluate that. Yeah, and that's, that's, well, that's an interesting point because, you know, for small business, I can totally get where you're coming from. I think individually, um, some people, I think most people will have a, a cell phone contract. Others will have, uh, on, on top of that, will have a, a broadband connection contract. So maybe the advice there is, you know, don't have it on the same provider. The temptation is always to do that because you get the bundle deal and you can save money. But actually, if you had a cell phone contract with a different company, at least then you've got some level of backup should everything go down. Because the problem is, you know, in a business, totally, I mean, you're losing money every second. But at home, uh, you know, yes, there's no cost so much, but the, all the devices that just stop working, all your Lady A devices give up, um, you know, all your, uh, you know, your smart, if you've got a smart home and you've spent all the time and effort building up a smart home, all that goes. Yeah. Because, you know, nothing, nothing will have a ability to connect to anything, even though you may have a home network still functioning. <gasps> Society crumbles, well, basically. It reminds me of the South Park episode where, you know, the well, internet goes down and it's a dystopia. It, it's exactly. But more than that, though, isn't it? Because if we take away the commercial aspect and business, which is incredibly important, obviously, but I mean, emergency services went down in some places as well. But this is, so, and, and that's because emergency services were relying on Rogers as their, as their, as their network. They yeah, didn't surely, have the, the proper infrastructure in place. 
And when you get to that level, though, is it down to Rogers to have the uh, you know redundancy built in, or is it down to the the, the, the emergency services? Well, both. To have? I think it's it's down to Rogers to have the redundancy to serve their clients, but it's down to the emergency services to have the redundancy to serve their clients. So you see, there's there's a pyramid here of of telecom, right? That everybody everybody needs to stay connected, but at the end of the day, the person if if I'm charging you for a service or I'm a, an essential service, you know, like nine one one, then I would assume as a as a, as a bystander, as a, someone here who might need these emergency services, that nine one one is going to always be online. Whether or not Rogers goes down or not, they should have something yep. in place that allows them to continue to work. Whether a, a wireless carrier goes down, because the fact of the matter is. A wireless carrier is going to go down. It's just going to happen. I mean, the, yeah. it's just eventually there's hardware, there's software. Things are going to happen. People I'm are going to screw up. I'm not convinced by that. I'm not convinced. Well, I mean, we'll, wasn't we'll, the internet we'll, designed we'll continue to survive this. a nuclear attack? We will continue. I'm sure it wasn't. <laughs> um, look, stick around. We'll come back with more on this because uh, we need to go to a break uh, or Mr. F will be furious. Furious. We don't want that. Uh, stick around. This is Double Tap Canada. This is Double Tap Canada. We'll be back in a moment. Hey, Double Tappers, want to get involved? Call the show now at 1-844-971-1999 or email feedback at ami.ca and have your say. This is Double Tap Canada. It's a tech show. Honest. You know, we're only a quarter of the way into the show and uh, Sean's already mentioned a nuclear holocaust already. It doesn't take as long to get to there, does it, Sean Priest? I said nuclear attack. Oh, nuclear Thank attack. You. What's the difference? No, the, well, no, I don't know, but the... <laughs> The internet was designed to survive communications to carry on after a nuclear attack. Well, get, yet, get back one, to those blueprints because... Uh... <laughs> one bad router update and the whole world goes down. It's, it's crazy. Are you it's telling crazy. me I have I, to live my entire life uh, or hope my entire life can continue on the basis of my Linksys router? Is that what you're... A router, I beg your pardon. <laughs> Apparently. Right, Don't knock okay. Linksys. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not. But I'm not knocking into them. I just wouldn't. I wouldn't hope that my future is dependent upon it. That's for sure. I, I just think we got to where this is. You know, internet service is no longer a luxury. It's a necessity. Well, and this is and what think- this is what a lot of the talk conversation is that telecoms need to realize they are an essential service. Yes, internet has absolutely. been classified as an essential service. Yeah. Therefore, they need to have the the mechanisms in place to make sure that they can. They can survive things like a router update. And listen, I don't know what really happened. I really, I don't. I, I only know what they tell us happened. I've updated my router. It's gone down. I've had to rebuild my network. It's taken me a day to do it. I'm just a guy at home. Mm. You know, it's not my responsibility to anybody else other than myself to keep my router updated and protected and stuff at home. So... I don't know. I, it's It seems a little fishy to me, to be perfectly honest, that this yep. is what the cause was, and you don't have a backup. You can just pop it to place that's already configured to go. Like, I mean, I have failover. If one carrier goes down, it automatically goes to the next one. That's built into my router, and I only have one. Yes. You know? Exactly. So that's what seems a little a little suspect to me when I, when I hear about, the, when I when just talk about this. Yeah. And if it's a case of Roger's systems being compromised somehow, then as you said earlier, that you know, you companies need to play nicely together and there needs to be legislation in place where if something goes down then it automatically switches to another provider. And you, you know, you've got no choice in yeah. playing nicely together. Yeah. 
Um, okay, I've got an email in here uh, that we got in from one of our lovely listeners, Mary Ellen Hart, who writes in to us. And uh, Mary has a comment for you, Mr. Priest, um, because you were oh, no. wittering Thank on God. last week about um, issues. Wittering. Yes, you were wittering on about wittering. mail and your challenges with mail. Uh, well, uh, yes. Mary Ellen says, uh, how to create rules to filter your mail in Apple Mail. She says, I've called Apple on your behalf. Aww. And it is possible. But you need to have an iCloud Drive account. You must have that, surely. No, yes, I know what. Yes, you're absolutely right. So you can go onto the iCloud website. I'm assuming we're, we're going on. Yeah, she to. says, I called Apple. They told me to do the filtering on my iPad by going to iCloud.com, sign into your account, create your folder by being in mailboxes, select edit, scroll to the bottom, and then select create folder. Then go into settings button to the right of the mailbox list. This is. Is that you following this? Then preferences, this then create easy. rule. Once created, you can filter your emails by to, from, CC, and several other options. Then you will select the folder you created, select continue, and it will save your rule. Easy as that. So easy. I wasn't part of this conversation, clearly. No. Are you meaning to tell me that's what's involved in creating a mail and inbox rule? At in, least in, on, iCloud, in iCloud? On the iPad, it would seem, yes. So she says, I did mine what? a Safari browser on my iPad Pro. The app does not have the settings button. In it, and that's the this problem. This is, I, you know, Apple used to have business like they, all, they used to sell their own mail server. Yes, know, that's right. As, as, a, as a product. And um, I can't believe that this is a basic functionality. This is an essential service of email. Exactly right. Which them. is what I was saying last week. The mail app, there's no way to set up a rule in there. And I find that that's such a basic thing. And yes, you're right. Thank you for doing that as well. Was it Mary? Thank yes. you. Um, but, I mean, you could do the same thing. I've got an Outlook email address, so I could go to outlook.com to the website and set up the rule there. But the point is, you should be able to do that on your email client as well. Uh, filter emails and put them into whatever folder you like. But you can, and I just I, it blows my mind. Also, is iCloud.com. I know there was a lot of problems when it came to accessibility of that website in the past as well. Really? I think there's, and, there's been some improvements. Yes. Um, I mean, I'm, I will admit... I haven't, I, I haven't used it in a long time. I, I find the most irritating thing, not so much iCloud's um, mail side or any of that. I, I tend to avoid that. But what I used to find an issue with was, you know sometimes when you want to connect to a device, um, and or, or, actually here's an example, right? So I have mail, or sorry, not mail, calendar, Available on my yeah, Amazon. Rewind, Echo. rewind. Let's start. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's do this again. Let's just get. Let's get. Edit get, point. Yeah. Okay. Come on. So <laughs> I have I have a calendar access on my Amazon Echo, right? So if I want to yeah. view my calendar or, or listen to what's on my calendar on my Amazon Echo, then I have to connect my mail account, my Apple Mail account, to that device. Now, what you have to do is instead of putting in your password, it doesn't work that way. You have to go in and create. I can't remember the name oh, of it, yes. but it's like some kind of special password. It's called, it's called an application password, I believe. Application I know that password. Microsoft does this as well. But that's actually a smart thing. That's a very smart thing. It is. Because oh, it's great. You don't want you know, you to have to give away up. your main – yeah, you don't want to have to give away your main password. But it is a pain in the butt, yeah. especially when they don't explain what you have to do. Like you have to dig. The fact that someone had to call Apple – to spend spend time to get that detailed instruction on creating a mailbox rule that should be server side by the way it shouldn't even be client related that's ridiculous um yeah but that is server side isn't it because we're going to iCloud so that's all to do with an iCloud.com email address mm -hmm. so that's setting up server side my argument is you should be able to set up client side as well uh, yeah. Rule writes into us as well. She says, uh, hi, listening to your conversation about the Orbit multi-line Braille displays on Double Tap. Yeah, she, this was uh, last week's conversation. 
following the news of the announcement of these multi-line Braille displays coming uh, from Orbit. Orbit Slate is the uh, name of the lineup. Uh, she says, I would encourage anyone who can no longer see print well to learn grade one Braille. Uh, it's not that you would read books or anything like that. You would still be able to communicate with yourself. You can write labels for things and take quick notes as well that would be easy to refer to when on the phone. And that's a good point, right? Because that the whole thing about grade one Braille is that, I mean, people like you and I, Sean, we're of an age. Well, you're more of an age, but certainly I am, I am of an age where I'm never going to get to the speed of reading of someone who learned Braille as a kid. So nope. for that reason, you know, the idea of sitting down with a book on a Sunday afternoon, it sounds lovely. It really does, but it's not practical. I mean, yes, you can not get grade one books, but it would take forever, to be honest. And I don't think it would put me yeah. off. I, well, I can't listen to an audiobook without falling asleep. What hope have I got with this? <laughs> the point was, though, that you are able to communicate with yourself. And that's a really good line, I mm. think. So creating labels for cans or whatever in the freezer or whatever it may be, uh, taking notes, quick notes for yourself. Absolutely. That's a, that is a really good point. I just get disheartened, you know, because I remember when I was first started learning Braille, gosh, years ago now, six years ago, and the teacher just running their hands over the paper so quickly, so not even any effort at all, and being able to read just like anyone sighted could read it. Yeah. It, it was so impressive. Obviously, you know, blind from birth, they've been using Braille since year dot, and it blew my mind, and I know I'm never, ever going to get to that point. But still, it's like, you know, it's like getting fit, right? you got to start. Never say you're going to start tomorrow. You should always start it anyway. <laughs> I just know I'm not I'm not going to get there. Yeah, there's always Monday. But, no, it's interesting. I mean, exactly. I remember our Double Tap TV episode where we spoke to Hadley, and we spoke to um, one of the pupils, if you like, one of the students of Abril uh, at Hadley uh, called Karen. And she was wonderful because she was telling the story of how she was using it for all these different things. And, of course, this was all because Hadley had introduced this course called Braille for Everyday Living. So this wasn't for people who wanted to necessarily sit and read books all the time. It was for more practical purposes. And if that's all you get out of Braille, I think that's more than enough, to be honest. I mean, it, it's good yep. enough to be able to just get a quick note. Um, I mean, I, I think that the problem with Braille for me, and I, I found this along. Uh, along the way of learning, is that there's a, a huge gap between being able to read even grade one, which I can do, and being able to connect a Braille display to a computer and then actually use it functionally. Because yes. the, when you connect that thing up, it fires up all these characters at you and you've got absolutely no idea <laughs> what this thing is telling you. Yeah. And people are like, oh, you have to learn computer Braille. And I'm like, hang on. So there's another bit of Braille you need to learn? So I've just an learned, extra two dots. I've learned the alphabet. <laughs> I've learned the numbers. I've learned the punctuation. Now you want me to learn how to work a computer with it. So I have to learn a whole new thing. So there's grade one, which is basically alphabet, punctuation, and numbers. You have grade two, which is contractions. So a number of uh, Braille cells that become one word. And then there's this kind of unofficial grade three, which is where you get into the whole world of computer Braille. My mind is exploding. Fancy trying that, yeah. Mark? You want to try that out at the weekend? No, no. you know what? I, I'm, <laughs> my only experience with Braille is um, on the TV show, Grant Hardy, who, who is a producer and a contributor for AMI. He, uh, he did some stuff for us and continues to do some mm. stuff on TV. And he uh, is 100% blind and he, use, he uses a Braille reader. And I was amazed... At the benefits of it for for this medium for TV, 
especially because he's he's facing the camera the right direction doesn't have to read nothing no it's all away. just it's all just on his fingers i'm like oh that's amazing if i could do that the things that i could do would be absolutely great but you know i cannot imagine trying to learn a new language let alone something tactile like that it, it just it blows my mind uh, kudos to anybody who's able to uh, it's absolutely insane I do like. I mean, like, I, I still have my. Do you do you have a Perkins Brailler, Sean? Do you still have one of those? Oh yeah, yeah. Still got one. Barely use it, but still got one. I find it quite good, just for occasional notes. I usually do it for phone numbers because I, I don't know what it is, but there's something about me, and I, I believe it's a part of the eye condition I've got. The the eye condition I have is not particularly well known, and it's not the most researched one because you know I think they tend to put them in the order of can we fix it? If the answer's no, forget it. It just goes down Bob the, the Builder eye surgery. Bob the Builder yes. eye surgery, exactly. Just, yeah, can I fix it? No, you can't. Can we fix it? Get lost. No, sorry, mate. Um, <laughs> here's a white stick. Here's a white cane and a liquid level indicator. <laughs> oh and uh, the and no blind cards. You see, they don't give out blind cards. And we were we we going to be doing that. That is going to be our thing. But um, I find it quite useful just for taking the odd note of numbers. Yeah, but what was I saying? Yeah, the, the, the point about the eye, the numbers is... That with my condition, I cannot distinguish numbers. I can't even if I can get close to. It, I cannot read a number. So say I have a cell phone number or you know the, the card number on your your bank card or whatever. I can't distinguish that. So being able to just have it tactile is is much easier for me. So you know that's, yeah. these are good reasons to have it. And plus, if I even if you write it in Braille, the likelihood of anyone else being able to read it, you know, it's great for privacy. Correct. It's great for security. Nice. You leave it lying around. <laughs> Nobody will know what it is. It's got my PIN number on it. It's got everything. You'll never know what it is. Absolutely. Like, everyone, we say it all the time, right? Braille is fantastic. And it, it just shows the importance of teaching kids the oh, yeah, it, Braille. Yeah, that's, that, is, that is my mantra at the moment. I mean, I just, I, I, if any child, and I'm hearing, it's interesting, since I've started talking about this, I've been learning a lot more about what schools are doing Um not just in the UK here, but in Canada and in the US and around the world, New Zealand, Australia, I'm learning about how schools are, are actually teaching. And it seems to be a bit of a, a bit of a both scenario. So they teach the kids who are partially sighted Braille, but they also let them use large print on the computer as well. And they teach them screen reader. So it's almost like you're yeah. learning everything. As it should be. Absolutely. Right? You never know which tool is going to... Because you don't know be what best you... suited for what you're gonna do later well, on. Well, it's like life. any language, right? The more you know, the more you know, the yeah, the yeah. more lear- learned you are. The more you know, the more you can go out into the world and really you know experience it in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. Right, stick around. Is uh, at the end for Twitter and Elon Musk has their relationship broke down oh, beyond do care? repair? Does anybody <laughs> care? We'll find yeah. out next on Double Tap. Double Tap Canada will be back after this. This is Double Tap Canada. Have your say right now. Call or text 1-844-971-1999 or email feedback at ami.ca. Now, back to the show. So, yeah, one of the big stories of the week, which Mark thought I was referring to earlier, and you'd be right to think it because a lot of people are talking about it, and that is Elon Musk walking away from the Twitter deal. Um, Is it just an attempt to negotiate a better price? Is it, in fact, over for Elon Musk and Twitter? Does Mark Afalo care? These are all the questions I'm wondering this week. <laughs> um, I'm wondering if he ever really wanted to do it in the first place, and it's just buyer's remorse. It's like getting an inspection <laughs> in your home and having the out, right? Yeah, I got the inspection done. There's a crack at the foundation. Uh, you can give me a discount, but I'll just walk away. Yes. 
Yeah. Forty-four I, billion. That's a lot of coin. That's a lot of a lot of yachts him. you can buy. A lot of planes you can buy. Mm-hmm. Gas <laughs> is getting long. expensive these days. You want to fly your new jet? Uh, I don't know. It's a hard life, you know. Sean, what do you think? Uh yeah. I, it's hard to tell with Elon, right? Because you you never quite know what he's thinking about. Because it could be just a a power move, right? He just wanted to flex his muscle at Twitter a little bit and play around with you know we've seen some of the tweets he's put out in the past some of it makes sense some of it's total nonsense some of it's crazy how much of that is a business move you know i I don't know he's obviously he's a clever guy but uh i also think he's got a bit of an ego Um, a bit of an ego well that's (laughs) we have no idea but it may be a case that he's pushed it too far because twitter are going to sue them uh sue him uh to go through the purchase so and uh, apparently all the, the you know from people from a legal point of view, are saying that Twitter's actually got a really good case. So who knows? Maybe maybe it is just a, okay, I'll buy it for 20 billion instead of 44. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. I, I somehow think they'll maybe have to renegotiate better than that. I think that's your starting position, is it not? 20? Yes. Yeah, from 20 44. Mm. 20 quid. Yeah. <laughs> 20 quid in a packet of biscuits. There you go. That is what all you're getting for it. I mean, I think in some ways, I, I'm with Mark on this. I think it's a bit of buyer's remorse. I also think probably this was all done a little bit too quickly. The due diligence maybe wasn't done as appropriately as it should have been. So as a result, well, I think we you know, know that though, right? Like he asked for information after the fact, right? Yeah. He's like, I'm exactly. going to buy you. I'm going to file this. And he's like, By the way, give me your numbers. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, that's yes. not how that works, Elon. You no. need to get that information first. This is my intent. I think there's a little bit of shock value here. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think also it's a case of he was expecting to be championed as a you know a bastion of free speech? Well, he was. And that, I, yeah, I'm not entirely sure about that. Do you see Trump really had attacked him earlier on? Um, Ooh, Trump a, said a specific specific name, and uh, I don't know. I just think he was expecting more backing than he got. Maybe Elon's a complicated character, like a lot like Steve Jobs. He reminds me of. Yeah, there's probably a lot of similarities there. Um, I mean, the thing is, you can't deny the guy. I mean, whether you like him, whether you don't, you you can't really deny the fact the guy is a genius for what he's been able to do. Um, yeah. But I think that's the thing with these guys. They're not they're not regular people. Um, let's just put it that way. And you know, they, they, they live in a world of their own. It's a very different situation. So being able to understand that mind is very difficult. And you can only really do it, I think, in, in retrospect. Um, yes, absolutely. Now, speaking of Apple... Uh, AirPods, not AirPods. Speaking of Apple. Speaking of Apple. Well, Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs, yeah. Um, Look at that segue. There was a connection Look there. Look at that segue there. See how we just shoehorn that one in? Uh, Apple Watch Pro is being rumoured. Can anybody explain to me what an Apple Watch Pro will be that will be any Rugged. different to an Apple Watch? No, they're saying yeah. it's good. Well, no, operating system-wise, it'll be the same. Uh, more rugged, I guess. So I probably let, probably won't have a dial on the side. Might have mm. something else there. Maybe something more tactile. Um uh, they're saying more rugged, more, more, you know, larger screen, brighter screen, bigger battery. For those adventurers out there who want to wear their watch for more than a day and go out and camping and fall off the grid, maybe. I mean, interesting. That's that's the plan. I mean, it's for as you say, it's the outdoorsy type. It's the people like Mark. I see the the bearded people. You know, <laughs> the, those sort of bearded adventurers. I can I, shave. I, I, Yes, but you don't choose to because you're at one with nature, and that's exactly what this is for. Is that what it is, Mark? Say, is it because you're at one with nature? <laughs> I I don't. I mean, uh, <laughs> there's no. Don't even know where to go with this one. 
a slightly larger screen so you can get more complications on there for things like distance and, and um, you know, for the fitness side of it, for hiking and things like that. So I don't know how true that would be. Do you, do you think it needs to be more rugged? Because they're constantly going on how, you know, hardy and scratch proof and everything it is. I, I don't know if they will go that far and say, hey, we've got an even um, durable version here. I don't know you, if they'd you can even buy. Go I mean, far. you can actually buy things for it. I actually bought one for mine, although I didn't like it. Made it look made it look a little bit like it was my first Apple Watch. Um, yes, it puts this huge bumper <laughs> around it. It's like the, the kiddies version, so I didn't like that too much. But you could get that. That makes it a bit more rugged for sure. That's one way to do it. Uh, I think the idea of a bigger screen. I think they're talking fifty millimeters, which is a yeah. little bit bigger. It's not a huge amount bigger. It's not going to make any difference for us in terms of the the accessibility side of it, except, of course, um, maybe it'll have a better speaker in it. Although I don't think the speaker in the current crop of Series 7 is actually too bad. They're fine. The microphone's great. The speaker's great. Um, I don't think I've scratched mine yet. That's mainly because I very rarely wear it. But aside from that, I'm more interested in the sensors. Again, there's talk of the, um, the temperature being able to take body temperature and this this seems strange to me right because they got the blood oxygen the blood oxygen mm-hmm. monitor yep. um but they say they're struggling to get the temperature right they were trying to bring it into the series seven so the story goes uh, but they just couldn't get it right they couldn't get it accurate and you think well surely that's got to be the easiest thing to do isn't it well, surely the, body temperature? the airports pro i think it's going to get an update and they're talking about is it um heart rate or something they're able to detect from that surely temperature would be a better choice considering where the airpods are right i mean generally you'd stick a thermometer in your ear yes or yeah no that's right absolutely yes I, i'll go with that um yeah. <laughs> there are other yes. options granted but i, I wouldn't want to stick an airport out there no but i mean the watch is is framed as the fitness tracker right i mean you know it's the fitbit killer so uh, i mean to have the many sensors in there as possible makes makes sense to me uh they're saying that the the skin temperature is actually so variable because it's you know affected by just the outside temperature mm. it's, it's actually getting your inner your inner core your body temperature that's much better for to pulse be you, you would definitely use your wrist for pulse that's much better well, yeah, there's a rumor that it's going to have an actual pin that actually breaks through your skin and li- i'm just kidding well Oh, that, why? That would be, I mean, that, well, that would have been the, the the answer for people who are diabetic, right? Because that's, that's yeah. Well, that, the when they have that's ones. what they have. That's like the the freestyle libre and those exactly little yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. Those are, my, my dad's got one of those on, on his arm for his diabetes, and he swears by it. He just he has his iPhone, and he's able to. I don't know if he uses an iPhone or he uses a little device, but he basically has something he waves in front of this device, and it beeps and it tells him exactly what his glucose level is at that point, which is uh, quite interesting. Um, and there's no, no no discomfort with that sort of thing because, you know, well, as someone who's never used that, you think you've got something sticking in you all the time. Does that not... Well, in fairness, least... my dad's had diabetes for a long time and he was injecting himself with uh, insulin every single day from probably about mid-20s. So he's yes, used a different to breed of people, yes. Yeah, he's a hardy right. man. He's absolutely yeah. fine with it. Uh, I want to mention, just talking of uh, watches, I want to bring up my uh, short-lived experience with the Samsung Galaxy Watch 4. Um, so oh, yeah. I finally took the, the plunge on this and jumped in and got it set up. Can I tell you, this is the most infuriating watch I've ever experienced in my life. Now, your experience on this, Mark, I'd be very <laughs> interested in because as a as a sighted user, I imagine this to be on a par... Well, I don't know. I don't know if you've tried an Android watch, but I, I would imagine the experience to be on a par with an Apple watch in terms of um, the experience of the UI. 
Yes. No, um, maybe. No, uh, it's it's an it's an Android watch, like Android Wear. Mm. Uh, the UI is very different. It's a very it's a round number. It's a round UI, so it's. But in terms of the up. of the flow of it, so as you scroll through, yeah, as you no, navigate. No, 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 it's very different. It's very, very, very different because it uses um that card mentality that Google has. Back with I don't remember when Google Glass first came out, but um everything is like a sequence of screens, like almost like sub menus. Oh yeah. So you okay. go left to get one thing, right to go one thing up. It, you know, the simplicity of the Apple Watch is really to be able to just hit the button and go back to this home screen of some kind, right? Mm. You go back to a home screen that has all your options right there. The way the Google Watch is, it's not really like that. It's always on your watch face. And then you swipe down from the top and you'll get settings. You swipe up from the bottom, you get something else. You swipe from the left, you get this card. And then you can dig deeper and deeper and deeper. It's it's Some people, I'm sure, love it. I know people with Android Wear watches that love it because they've gotten to really know it and understand it. But I find it extremely unintuitive, especially from the start. Whereas on the Apple Watch, you know, it's very – you've got a menu. It's really just here's your home screen. Here's your, your starting point go from here to different apps and different experiences within that. So I always found that Android Wear was a little bit confusing for my liking. Well, once you add TalkBack to it, (laughs) it gets gets even easier. It gets a lot worse very quickly. Um, I have never experienced something so sluggish, so slow, so unresponsive, Um, something which seemed to be struggling with just basic tasks. And, I mean, bear in mind, I I wasn't really fully grasping this UI approach, but even so, I know how to navigate around these devices. And, you know, where it's a single swipe or it's a double, you know, two-finger swipe or whatever, I just wasn't getting any reaction. And I thought, honestly, this feels like I am, you know, I'm holding on my wrist at that time. I had actually both. I had my Apple Watch and I had the Samsung Galaxy Watch 4. And it was like I was dealing with a product that was out like 20 years earlier. It was like the first ever iteration of a smartwatch 20 years ago that you would have put in a museum. Uh, Now, I remember trying Galaxy Watch before when it was on the Tizen operating system, and I kind of had the same experience. It wasn't great. I thought under this new Wear OS with Samsung, you know, this collaboration they've done with Samsung and Google working together to create this new UI that was supposed to be so much easier to use and so much better, I thought it would be great. Uh, But... It's. I, I don't know if it's the software that's a problem or whether it's the power inside the watch, but certainly one or other is a problem because it is not what I would consider to be something in any way usable. Now, I know people will sit there and say, and I know people who listen to this show, I know people who talk uh, uh, regarding Android, especially blind people who say, ah, you know, you're just holding it wrong or no, you've just got it the wrong way around or no, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. Or yes, it's absolutely fine. It might be fine for you, but it's, you know, I have to say, I, I don't like to compare Apples and Androids too often, but I will in this case. There is absolutely no doubt to me that Apple have made uh, the right choice in the terms of the design and the build, and they've implemented voiceover properly so that you have an actual functioning watch. I don't really feel a huge amount of difference between using my Apple Watch and my Apple phone. Now, I cannot say that when it comes to uh, a smartwatch like the Samsung Galaxy Watch 4 and, say, an Android phone, because I use an Android phone with TalkBack, it's fine. Nothing wrong with it. It's absolutely fine. It's responsive. It's fine. I mean, you can argue about the nuances of it and all the rest of it, but that's just user preference, right? But it's all usable. I swipe something, it happens. I do it on the watch. It thinks about it. It'll do it. Or it will do it, and then it'll... You know, it'll do that thing where, you know, that you, you. you get that haptic, you know, that little haptic bump 
that lets you know yes. something's happened, and then yeah. it'll tell you, oh, yeah, I've I've done it now. You know, and you think, come on, really? In 2022, this is where we're at? So I am not looking forward to the Pixel Watch. I'd love to try it, but if this is the experience of this so far, then for blind people, it's still the Apple Watch. It's just got to be still the Apple Watch. There's no I... way I would recommend to anybody to buy an Android watch at this point. If you're blind, Crushing if you're blind, there. if you're blind, it may be better for you if you're if you can see. Maybe maybe the benefits are that it's, it's a bigger screen to some degree. Certainly, that round face is lovely. It's a beautiful watch to look at. So, if you've got low vision, or if you're fully sighted, you may get a lot of benefit out of that if you're not using the top back. But turning that top back on to me disables the watch. It makes it unusable. So there you go. So what's the point? Basically, it's inaccessible at that point. Yeah, right? well, that it may as well be. It's too frustrating to use. That's my problem. It's too frustrating. Yeah. Why do I want that hassle? No, I'm lucky because I can just switch back. But if I'd spent the money on that instead of an Apple Watch, I would be raging. <laughs> I would yes. be not a happy yeah. bunny at all. So, um, yeah, I, I have to say, I, I took it off after about... I had it on my wrist for about an hour, and I thought, I'm going to persevere with it. I got as far as an hour, and it just got flung across the room. I thought, I can't deal with this. And that was a setup. It was it was functional. It was working. It was, it was not like I was setting it up. I'd gone through that process. So, um, yeah, I'm not a fan. Sorry, guys. I don't think it's Samsung's fault. I think the watch design is beautiful. I just think it. I think it's the UI. I think uh, there's a lot of work to be done on that. But uh, who knows? But we'll see what the Pixel Watch is like. Uh, stick around. Lots more to come. This is Double Tap Canada. We'll be back in a moment. This is Double Tap Canada. Now back to the show. And just into the last few moments of the show, Sean, are you shocked by my... Uh, you very I'm quiet disgusted, at the end of my quite frankly. The Samsung Galaxy Watch 4 and it's top back. Hello? Hello? Is, is, he, is he so shocked? Can you not hear me? Well, I, I can hear you now. Yeah, sorry. You were... Oh, sorry. I, yes, I was shouting at you all the way through I was through going to say, does that mean you were shouting at me the whole time and I just wasn't <laughs> listening to you? <laughs> you just ignored me. <laughs> no, um, yeah, it's, it's just one of those cases, isn't it? It's, it's so annoying, but we sort of... I kind of expected it. Mm. I didn't want to say so, but I kind of thought... It's just not going to be a great experience. And there's, there is a, a difference. And we've seen it not not just on hardware. You know, we've seen it on apps and services as well where, yes, okay, technically it's accessible as in, you know, the buttons are labeled or whatever. But when you actually come to use it, it's such a terrible experience that it might as well be inaccessible. And, uh, yeah, it's one of, those, one of those moments. Sad but true. Yeah. Um, the thing is, right, when it comes to this, I know there's people out there, hardened Android fanboys and fangirls, who will say, Stephen, you're being unfair. You don't spend enough time with it. You're not using it enough to really get the experience of it. Do you know what? If in day one, I can't do the basics without it frustrating me, it's not going to be any different on day two, right? I mean, it's a bit like saying the car's great, but it doesn't start. But maybe in day two, it'll start, you know. If it's not starting on day one, I'm not going to wait till day two, right? It's time to get it into the garage and get it fixed. And I just think I'm, I, can't, I can't honestly suggest to people that it'd be a good idea to go and buy one of these with their hard-earned cash when no, I... it's not up there. If you're looking for a smartwatch, it's going to be the Apple Watch for the moment. That's it. Until, until something changes. Until they bring out a watch that's got the power in it and the, the top-back software has been considered. And I know there's, there's two issues here. I know that there's a software and I know that there's a hardware issue. And I also know that there's an issue where there's not that many of us blind people using it. So there's not a huge amount of feedback going back, I imagine. So the feedback I've got, which is basically it's too slow and sluggish, is maybe not getting there. Well, look, Google, if you're listening, 
I hope you can hear me because I'm telling you that. And Samsung, sorry, from just... your point of view, you know, maybe it needs more power in the watch. I don't know. You guys, you're the experts. You figure it out. Sort it out. Does no one try it? Has no one tried turning on TalkBack? Well, this is my thing. I'm like, who is, was who is showing this off and saying, this is brilliant. Look at this. Because I'd like to interview that person. Get that person on this show. I want to hear yeah. from you. Because if you're telling me, well, actually, you know what? You've got this wrong, Stephen. Then come on this show and tell me what I'm doing wrong. Or tell me that there's something that I'm not doing that, that to make it better. But if the end result is, well, it's still going to take you. Well, yeah, it's going to take you a second for a response. Well, if you're yeah. happy with that, fine. Waste your money. I'd rather not. You could, you could have made the same argument for the first-generation Apple Watch, though, I suppose. Even it wasn't as sluggish as this. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Okay. Sorry. There's no saving it. Sorry. sorry. I know you're Straight trying. You're tr- <laughs> I am. He's made up his mind. We're not going to change it. No, I, I'm sorry. I think that, you know, it just needs, it needs some time. I think it'll get there. I think it will get there. Uh, I, I just think that in some ways... It's strange, isn't it? Because we, we we talk a lot about the wearables market. And it seems as if everything, even now, even in 2022, outside of the smartphone, just hasn't got the power in it yet. I mean, no. yeah, the Apple Watch is great, but it's still, I mean, and, and I love my Apple Watch and it's, it's great for a lot of things, but even it, yes, okay, functionally it's, it's very good and the voiceover is excellent and all that stuff. But still, the watch is limited. There's things it can't do, basic things I think it can't do. Now, whether that, again, is a software limitation, whether that's Apple limiting the hardware, I don't know. But I just think, you know, things like still, I can't get a WhatsApp message <laughs> in audio on my watch. Come on! Yeah. yeah. Why not? But that's software lockdown, right? That's Apple's decision. But when it comes to the hardware, it's just, you know, the battery technology isn't quite there. We want these small, light, wearable things, but that's, that's high-tech. That's so, cutting-edge technology. I have a question about this because this this is fascinating to me mark marcus experienced this as well oh. the the battery on an m1 powered macbook <laughs> right i charged my macbook up when i got it right? <laughs> i don't think i've charged it since it just seems to live on forever <laughs> i don't you know what there are so many things about this computer that um amaze me and blow my mind and I've used one for the past two months, and I have to bring it back now. And I'm back on my Intel one, and I can't stand Ooh, it can't anymore. Do it. No, it doesn't. I, I the battery can't. doesn't last. The fan goes on. Things freeze. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely infuriating. I have a new MacBook Air on order. Hopefully, it'll arrive in the next couple of weeks. Um, <gasps> Exciting. So I can play with that for a bit. Uh, what color? What color? Never. I, I think I just put Starlight or something. I don't remember. <laughs> well, no, you've no style. You want midnight. That's what you want. He's a rugged outdoorsy man. He's got a beard. He doesn't care on the colour. Covered in scratches, day one. I'm a rugged, rugged outdoorsy type. Is he? Oh, my lord. If, if you mean so. he gets in the car and goes to Starbucks, then you'd be right. But I'm not sure it'd go any further than that. <laughs> my point is that the battery power they've put it in, and with the coupled with that M1 processor, can you imagine if they can shrink that down, and maybe they can, to fit inside a watch? Ooh. Ooh, M1 system on a chip well, in yeah. the watch form. Oh, the W1. Oh, no, we've already got that one, haven't we? So there that, you go. We'll on that it. bombshell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, thanks, guys. Uh, that's our show for this week. If you want to get involved and get in touch, then details are coming up. Mark, Sean, thank you. Pleasure. Thank you. Happy to be here. Oh, no. We're going to get the voice. <laughs> oh, thank goodness that happened now. <laughs> 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 Bye, guys.
Thanks for listening and keep your feedback coming. Call 1-844-971-1999 and leave us a voicemail. Email feedback at ami.ca. We're also on Twitter at Double Tap Canada and on Facebook. Can't wait till next week? Ask your smart speaker to play Double Tap Canada or listen on the podcast app of your choice. Thanks for listening. Catch you again next time. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.